The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for joining us again, my friends, as we take a few minutes out of our day in God's Word. Glad you're with us as we uh, have been picking back up after a couple weeks off and walking through uh, the book of Matthew. And we're going to finish up the book of Matthew here uh, over the next week or so as we finalize this. And then as we get closer, we'll tell you what book we're going to go to next. Um, today, what we're going to do is something I try to do in each one, in each episode. My goal is to teach, to kind of walk through in a more of a conversational style. Uh, what it is the passage is saying, explain the history, explain the context to give us an understanding of what's taking place, connecting to other parts of Scripture if necessary. And then I like to bring a principle. I think that the Bible, it, well, it's quick and powerful, it's alive, it's sharper than to it. Sure, the Bible says it, it gets inside. So I want us to understand that every time we study the Word of God, while we can learn something, the Word of God should be changing us. And so that's part of what we strive to do in this process. And so we're going to do that again today day in uh, chapter 27. So if you're following along, we are in Matthew chapter 27. Uh, Jesus is in the middle of his trial, um, and he's in the midst of all of the other, um, the battle waiting to go to the cross. Peter has just denied him, and he's run away. And now we come to another person who has betrayed him, and we're going to find out what happened to Judas, and, uh, and of course we'll see right in this passage uh, how prophecy is fulfilled with this. Uh, Matthew 27, verse 1, when the morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. When they had bound him, they led him away and handed over, handed him over to Pontius Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who betrayed him, saw that he was condemned, he repented and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. Uh, they said, what is that to us? You must see to that. So he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed, and he went and hanged himself. The chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, because this is the price of blood. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to, buy to, to bury strangers in. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took, their, they took the 30 pieces of silver, the value of that the sons of Israel set on him, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. So what we see is, uh, we, we see really the main thing you can see is uh, the fact that Judas knew he was wrong and his response to him being wrong. So they had taken the 30 pieces of silver. Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of the silver, the price of blood, as it's said in here. And uh, of course, they take him, they put him on trial, and they're going to take him and, and crucify him. Judas watching all this. He's seen the story. He's seen how this is all coming out. He's watching pretty much every Jewish law and every Jewish tradition being ignored, uh, laws being broken. He's seeing that they're going to take this man who, from all his time with him, knew he was innocent, and they were going to put him on a cross, and they were going to crucify him. And at this point, Judas began to realize what had happened. Now, one of the things that's always intrigued me when I read this passage is what else was Judas thinking was going to happen? 
Uh, maybe they thought they were just going to imprison him. I don't know exactly what Judas thought, but a one simple principle uh, that I could get from this one thought is that a lot of times we do things, we, 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 can, we can decide what we're going to do, but we cannot always decide the consequences. We can choose what we're going to say. We can choose things we're going to do. We can choose our actions, but we cannot choose our consequences. And that's where he ran in. He's, he's an absolute surprise, and now he no longer wants to enjoy the wealth that he had gained because he realizes the cost of it. And there's so many principles you can look into that, that sometimes getting what we want is, is great, but sometimes it costs more than we thought it would. And that is what's happening in this scenario. So when guilty comes back, uh, I'm going to get to my main thought in a second, but so he throws back the we're going to skip a section and go to the end. He throw, gives back the money. Can I tell you something intriguing to me? Religious leaders realizing what this money was, did not want to put it back in the treasury. So if they want to come up and say they were right, they were spiritual, they were doing what was right, they wouldn't even take the money back. They knew the entire process, all of this was wrong. There was nowhere in this process where the religious leaders had any intention of trying to say that this was legitimate. It was a sham court. They knew it. But it didn't matter because they got rid of Jesus. And that was their goal. And it's because they, they weren't really followers of God. They were followers of religion. They weren't about the law. They weren't about making sure that truth was come out. They were about making sure that what they wanted happened. And that still happens today. It happens in our culture. It happens in churches today. So many churches today are so, they're going in such the wrong direction so drastically simply because they want it their way. They don't really care what the scripture says. And boy, it's not really a church anymore. Uh, it's become a, a movement. It's become an entertainment thing. But it's not a church because once you start ignoring scripture or twisting scripture to fit culture, you're no longer a church. Right? You're just a group of people. Uh, and we've got to be careful that the Bible is the core of what we follow uh, to the point where they're justifying murder. That's what they did. And they were fine with it because it fit what they wanted. But here's the thought I want to finish with when we come to the principle. We're going to go back up um, to verse 3. When Judas, who betrayed him, who betrayed Jesus, uh, saw that he was condemned, he, again, I didn't I probably assume that was going to happen. He can't imagine the leaders going that far. He repented and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. Now, here's the thing. He was remorseful. He repented. But here's something different over what Judas did, shall we say, than over what Peter did. Ultimately, we'll see later that when Jesus confronts Peter, Peter acknowledges his reason he ran to go back fishing, as we'll see later, was not because he was angry. It's not because of what Jesus did. He said, I have failed. I need to leave. I feel what I was asked to do. He no longer is going to want to work with me. He's no longer going to want to use me. And Jesus had to kind of rebuild that confidence again. And Peter uh, repented and turned to him. And that's the problem. What you don't see here is while the term in this translation is repented, Jesus, uh, really other translations in the word is he was remorseful. He was guilt-ridden. That's really what happens here. Because repented means he would have gone to Jesus, he would have apologized, he would have repented, confessed, and he would have gotten things right. Because there's nowhere in Scripture that I know of that says he could not have done that. So what we're looking at is instead of going back and actually turning, repenting, and reconciling back with God, his guilt drove him to death. Please understand, guilt is a true thing. It's an extremely powerful thing. It drove this man to take his own life as it can for many people. Can I tell you something? The difference is 
we're all going to struggle with sin, and guilt is something that we will battle with as a result of this. The difference is this. Guilt can drive me to make even worse decisions, or guilt can drive me to Jesus. When you come to Jesus, God resolves the guilt. Because you don't have to deal with it. You come and he forgives, he brings reconciliation, the guilt's been dealt with. I'm going to give an example of how I, how I see this. A lot of times people have said, um, when they talk about their past, I can't get past this year, I can't get past this time in my life, I feel so guilty, I feel so guilty. And every time I think about it, I feel guilty. And a premise that I've used for years that I still believe to this day, that if you are struggling with guilt, that's not of God. God doesn't bring guilt. God brings what we call conviction. I know the word sounds harsh, but the word conviction is really, it's a gentle pull for us to get right with God, to repent, to confess, that word confess simply means to agree with God. Yes, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And God has told us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, he is always going to forgive us and cleanse us from unrighteousness. So that's conviction. And so if I'm under conviction, it is a ploy to be get right. God's going to let me, God's going to be, and I know that forgiveness is coming. Guilt always makes me feel worse. So if you're feeling guilt, that comes from Satan. Conviction comes from God. Guilt comes from Satan. And if you're battling with guilt from your past, it's because you've not embraced. Now, that doesn't mean God hasn't forgiven you. Some of you, some of us have gone multiple times asking God over and over, maybe hundreds of times, asking God to forgive us for something from things years ago. God already has. So what are we missing? We haven't accepted God's forgiveness and then forgiven ourselves. No one's perfect. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. I mean, Peter denied Jesus, Judas betrayed him. I mean, we can have a lot of things in Scripture that would exceed what we've done, and Jesus always has always offered forgiveness. I mean, his entire life and ministry was that. There is nothing we can do to make a God love us or hate us, or love us less or hate us more. God can't. God loves us as we are. We can't earn it. We can't increase it. We can't ruin that. God loves us as we are. It's an unconditional love that just doesn't make sense because there's no human bias to that. And so he will forgive us no matter what. And that's the key we come. Don't let guilt keep you. Sometimes guilt keeps us from coming back to church or coming back to God or getting right. And we say, but if you only knew what I've done, I can't even, I can't even imagine in my mind what I've done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You don't have to come back and tell the preacher or tell the elders or tell people. You don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is go back to God, give it to him, and it's not. Now, there's someone you've hurt. You may want to get right with them. But you don't. the point is to get right with God is you get right with God. And that is the key we see here, that Peter, I mean, sorry, Judas was driven by guilt. Now, what we do see in this passage was even the people wouldn't take the money, and they built a potter, uh, they, they built a field. I think it was called the potter's field. Uh, basically, a field to bury um, to bury the law. People who couldn't afford, they would be put into this field. And if we see, you see in verse 9 that it was a fulfillment. They called it the field of blood that was spoken of Jeremiah the prophet. So you do see that another time there was an Old Testament prophecy fulfilled, again, confirming um, the truth that Jesus was not just a religious leader. Jesus was the Messiah, is the Messiah, and that Scripture is constantly fulfilling. And by the way, these leaders should have known that. And the fact they did this should have reminded them of what Jeremiah said. It's amazing what we can know that doesn't always affect what we do. Well, thanks again for joining us today, giving me a few minutes to be part of your day. Greatly appreciate it. Hope it's an encouragement. Stick with us as we continue to walk through chapter 27, 28, finishing out the life of Christ from Matthew's gospel. Thanks again for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.